But we're in this series, the power series, and T was for our position, O was for obedience, W was for the words, and, and I'm just so encouraged about, I've heard so many people say that how touched they were and how uh, that message last week really changed their life, and I, it's what I said at the beginning of the sermon. I said, I love to preach this sermon because it'll change your life. And you start speaking things into start declaring things and you stop saying the things that you've been saying the junk that you've been saying and start speaking the life into situations and life over your children life into your finances life into your into your, into your job whatever it is but when we start turning the, our words around and start speaking the way god has declared that we should speak in his word and we speak a life listen your life will change your your life will follow your words you don't believe that just test it out for a week just test it out for weeks. Kind of like saying, hey, if you just don't believe in tithing, just test it out for a month or two and see what God will do. Just test it out. He says, test me in this. But I'm telling you, if you will start speaking and changing the way you speak, your life will change for the better. People around you will start changing for the better. So this week we're on the, uh, we're on the E. And uh, we're going to speak about the ecclesia, okay? Ecclesia is a fancy word for uh, a Greek word for the name church. Okay, say church. Say ecclesia. And it really just, it's a and sometimes it means the government of the church, or the, but most of the time it's the gathering of God's people, the assembling of God's people. That's why church, some churches are called assemblies, you know, because they're assembling God's people. And, and I, I remember, I think it was Belinda was telling me one time, you, you talk about a manufacturing plant, they, they take parts and they assemble things. And the Bible says that we're made up of many kinds of people, many parts, many gifts. And we, we're, we assemble these things together and we come together for a purpose. And it's so important that we come together. So if you have your Bibles, I want to be reading from a lot of it from Acts chapter 4 this morning. And it's talking about the power of the church. We're talking about how the church and power go together. Okay. See, on the day of Pentecost... The, the, there were 120 or so believers. It never said 120 exactly. 120 or so believers had gathered in this place called the upper room, and they prayed together. They came together in one accord for how many days? How many? Do y'all know how many days? Ten days. Ten days they were there. Jesus had ascended, and he said, go and wait, and he didn't tell them how long to wait, so they were there waiting, but they were praying, they were pressing in, and they didn't exactly know what they were expecting. You ever, you ever get to that place where you don't exactly see like moms and dads now when, they, when the wife gets pregnant, they all want to know what, what sex the baby is. I didn't want to know. Do y'all? I mean, yeah, you do because you want to paint it the right color and you want to get the right gifts so you don't have to take all those gifts back. I understand that. But we didn't know the sex of our children until they were born. It's kind of, man, we didn't know what to expect, but we were expecting what she was expecting. And uh, she took it a lot different than I did. But. They, were, they didn't know what they were expecting except that God said, I'm sending the promise. Okay? So they're waiting for this promise, and they were and together in one accord. That's not a Honda. They were together in one accord, and they were waiting for the Lord to, to reveal himself. In, in, some of y'all, that's an oldie but a goodie. It still, it still gets a laugh. Uh, but they were waiting, and they were, had this expectation. See, sometimes you come to church, you come to the assembly, and you come without an expectation. But listen, when you come with an expectation, God's going to do something. And they were of one accord. They were all together praying, seeking God. And then he showed up with like tongues of fire. And man, he went, boom, 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 boom. 
120 people had cloven. They had this fire over their head, and they began to speak in other languages. And I'm telling you, the people, they, the, the roar, the, the sound like a mighty rushing wind. People came from everywhere, and they said, what is going on? What is going on? Peter got up. First sermon he ever preached, he only had 3,000 converts. <laughs> Can you imagine that? He just got up and preached the word of God. And basically, it's probably one of the most unpopular sermons, You Killed Jesus. That was the title of his sermon. <laughs> you know, three-point sermon, it said, You Killed Jesus. <laughs> and he told them that they'd killed, they'd killed the Messiah. And they, guess what they did? He, they said, Well, what do we got to do? Because the Holy Spirit was thick. And he said, Well, we, you need to repent and be baptized. Holy Spirit's going to come fill you up. That's power. That's power when we assemble together. So if you come here today and you think, well, I'm just going to go to church. No, you're coming together. We're coming together as a power group because the Holy Spirit is powerful. And we have the Holy Spirit within us. Now, right after that, this was a, the birthing of the New Testament church. And all these people, they, listen, they didn't even have a, they didn't have a building to go to. So they just started meeting in home churches. And they were going house to house. And they were breaking bread together. And they were teaching. The apostles were teaching them and teaching them the doctrine. And it was like this is the birthing of the church. And then one day Peter and John said, we're, we're going to go to the temple and pray. Because they still went to the temple to pray. And they were on their way to the temple to pray. And there was a man, he was, he was, uh, he was asking for money. He said, please give me some money. I'm broke. And matter of fact, he was crippled. He couldn't get up. He couldn't work. And Peter and John said, well, we don't have any money but this is what we give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Remember that one? That's power. That's the power of God moving in the church and through the church because wherever you go, you are the church and you are the church in motion. And because of that, they were arrested. Bro, that, that's got to be the most ridiculous arrest of all, well, besides Jesus's. How you heal the guy? Come, you're going to jail. <laughs> and the religious government of that day which would have been the ecclesia of that day. The religious people of that day said, you got to stop what you're doing. You cannot preach in the name of Jesus. you got to shut up. We don't believe in this man. We had him crucified. That's why we had him crucified. In this, I want you to begin with, with me in verse 18 of chapter 4. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. So they had them brought back. This, is the, that, this was the, uh, Peter and John, and it says the council had them brought back in before the council, and they commanded them to never teach the people or speak again using the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, you can judge for yourselves. Is it better to listen to you or to God? It's impossible for us to listen to this. It's impossible. Say it's impossible. It's impossible for us to stop speaking about all the things we've seen and heard. The first thing I want you to see this morning is we cannot be silent. We cannot be silent. You may not have a microphone, but you have a voice. And you can say all day long, I'm just going to live my life so people can see Jesus. Listen, the Bible says we got to speak. Live it and speak it. Speak it and live it. But we cannot be, we can't afford to be silent. Listen, the silence brought Roe versus Wade. The silence brought all the gay marriage. The, the silence brought all these things that are in our society today because the church shut their mouths. And we cannot be silent any longer. And how do we speak? We speak with love. We speak the truth in love. Do you all understand that? We love everybody. We don't condemn anybody, but we speak the truth in love. Listen, if people don't know the truth, they can't get free. You understand that? 
The Bible says it's very clear in, in, in John chapter 8. said if you know the truth, and, then, and that's more than head knowledge, that's if you know the truth, if you know Jesus, then you can be set free. The truth will set you free. So we cannot remain silent. Listen to me, church. The ecclesia, the time to be silent over, and time to be silent is over. The time to quit coming together is over. We need to come together. We need to worship together. And I know the pandemic had, listen, the enemy is all over that thing of separating people and getting them out of the ecclesia. He wanted you to quit gathering together. Listen, if he can keep us from gathering together, he keeps the power at bay. Verse 23, as soon as they were released from custody, Peter and John went to the other believers and they explained all that had happened with the high priest and the elders. And when the believers heard their report, they raised their voices in unity, say in unity. And they prayed, Lord Yahweh, you are Lord of all. You created the universe, the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything that is in them. And you spoke by the Holy Spirit through your servant David, our forefather, saying, How dare the nations plan a rebellion, ranting and raging against the Lord Most High. Their foolish plots are futile. Does that sound like something going on in America or what? Look at how the kings of the earth take their stand with the rulers scheming and conspiring together against God and His anointed Messiah. In fact, Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with Jews and non-Jews or Gentiles, met together to take their stand against your holy servant, Jesus Messiah. They did to him all that your purpose and will had determined according to the destiny you had marked out for him. The second thing you need to hear this morning, and I'm sure you're going to love this one, is we cannot be friends with the world. Oh, we've got to be friends with the world. How are they going to come to know Jesus? Because that's what's happened in the church. We've become friends of the world. The church in general has said, we're going to do things the way the world does things. We're going to accept the things that the world accepts. And the Bible is so clear that we cannot be friends with the world. We can love the world, but we can't be friends with the world. Let me read a scripture for you. This is just Jesus speaking, okay? John 15, 19, if you were to give your allegiance to the world, they would love and welcome you as one of their own. But because you won't align yourself with the values of this world, they will hate you. I have chosen you and taken you out of the world to be mine. We are called out. We are the called out ones. We are the ecclesia. Quit Quit making excuses. Quit compromising. Quit rationalizing. Quit apologizing for being a believer. We, we just can't go there, church, if we want to continue to be the church. We've got the watered-down gospel is not working. <laughs> look at the results of our world today. Look, look at James four. I'll give you another one. You have become. This is he, James is writing to the church here. And he says, you have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair. Woo! How would you like to have been sitting in on that one? An unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Now listen, you've got to understand me. I'm not saying we don't love the world, but we don't become friends with the world. How do you think we were all in the world at one time? We were all lost. We were all sinners, but we've been saved out of the world. God redeemed us from the world. 
But he said, now you've got to go into the world and make disciples. You've got to go into the world and reach the lost. You've got to go into the world and baptize those in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've got to go out and we've got to do the mandate of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you can't get out in the world and rub shoulders with the world and become like the world and, ex and expect everything to go the way God's called you and, and purpose for you in your life. But that's what's happened. Some of you are in unholy alliances right now. You're sitting right here, and you're in unholy alliances. Oh, how do you know that, Pastor? Because I just know people. Some of you are hanging out with the wrong people. Some of you are dating the wrong people. Some of you are in unholy alliances. You're maybe even in a partnership in a business. I don't know. You know. You know when it's not God. You know, oh, yeah, but I, I've got to do this. I've got to make this happen. No, listen, you can't make it happen. Quit thinking you can make it happen. Oh, I'll see that she's changed, Pastor. Quit thinking that way. Start praying for them. And maybe some of you aren't in marriage. Listen, you can't get out of that one. But you need to start praying for one another. You need to start blessing one another. You need to start speaking words of life over your mate, or your, over, over your wife, or your husband, whoever it is. You can't get rid of your kids. And I don't know some of you want to, but you can't do that. But you can start speaking life over your kids. You can start blessing your kids. You can start calling them into the kingdom of God. You can start bringing them to church. You just can't look like the world. And so, listen, it's just so easy to go fall into that rut of looking like the world or being like the world and think you've got to be that way to move up and Climb that social ladder or climb that corporate ladder. You've got to look like the world. Listen, God does it promoting. If you want to do it right, let God promote you. Stacy, she let it. God do it right. God promoted her. Verse 29. So now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us. Woo! I'm telling you, this is real, church. 20 years ago, you would preach this and go, yeah, they're really having problems over in the Middle East. You all understand what I'm saying? Listen to their, thre their threats to harm us. Empower us. Say empower us. As your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal. And to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son Jesus. The third thing we need to do is we must be empowered. We must be empowered. You know, they even ask to be empowered. Sometimes we think, well, I just have the Holy Spirit. I've got the power of God. But you know what? We need to ask. It's like we've got the armor, but we need to speak the armor over our bodies. We need to speak the armor over our minds, over our souls, right? We can acknowledge it. I, I like the scripture says, uh, oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. What is it? Proverbs 3, 5. Somebody get me started on it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, what? Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I believe that acknowledgement is acknowledging the is acknowledging the armor. It's acknowledging the promises. It's acknowledging the word. It's acknowledging what God's taking you through, where he's taking you to. It's acknowledging and it's making yourself aware of what he's doing. So when you need to acknowledge that you have the power, ask him, Father, empower me. These were spirit-filled, dynamic men of God, and they're saying, empower us. But empower us to what? This is what I want you to understand as a church. We are the church. We are the ecclesia. And we need to say, God, empower us. There's three things he asked for to be empowered for. First one is to speak the word of God freely and courageously. 
Number one is to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Some of you have shut your mouths. I don't want to offend anybody. I want to be politically correct. Baloney. That's a three-syllable word. In the Greek is balagna. That's another only. But a goodie. We need to begin to speak the word of God freely and courageously. When Paul said to put on the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, y'all know the, the armor was the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. But then he said there's, a, there's another part of that armor, and that's to pray. Look at verse uh, 18, second part. Pray passionately in the spirit. That's, that's to pray in your, in your prayer language. As you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. In other words, Pray. <laughs> Pray. Pray the blessings of God upon all of his believers. And pray also that God's revelation would be released through me every time I preach this wonderful mystery of the hope-filled gospel. Listen, when you speak the gospel out into the world, the world is without hope. Without Jesus Christ, there is no hope. So listen, you've got the message of hope. We've got the message of hope. Yes. Pray that I may preach the wonderful news of God's kingdom with bold freedom at every opportunity. Even though I am chained as a prisoner, I am his ambassador. In other words, what we can apply here is no matter what your situation, where you're at, you can preach the gospel. Oh, but that's your job, Pastor. That's what we pay you to do. No, that's my calling, but that's your calling too. You may not have a pulpit, but the Bible says we're all ministers of what? Reconciliation. That's bringing people together. That's bringing people to Christ. You are a messenger. You are a preacher. Every, say, I'm a preacher. Say, I'm a good preacher. I may not always, always use the right words, but I'm a good preacher. Right? Because I don't always use the right words. But we're good. you're a good preacher. That's what you need to confess over yourself. When I speak, people listen. Like E.F. Hutton. When I, pre when I preach, people listen. When you speak, listen, you're not speaking just to speak to, to, to feel the sound waves in the air. You're, you're speaking truth and love. You're speaking the Word of God. I, I want to challenge you this week to recognize the times that you're preaching and you don't even know you're preaching. When you're encouraging somebody, hey, you know what? With God, you can do all things. You're preaching. Do you know why that Jesus loves you? You're preaching. Did you know there's forgiveness for every sin? Did you know that God loves you no matter what? That you're preaching. You preach by your life, the way you live. That's great. But preach with your mouth. He said to. The second thing he said empowered us, empower us to stretch out our hand of power through us to heal. You remember when they, they, they lifted up the man, the cripple, and he, man, he sprang to his feet and he began up, jumping up and down, praising the Lord. And then he wanted to give J uh, Peter and John credit for healing him. And, and they said, oh, no, 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 no. This was, this was, we did this. This is the name of Jesus. And he said, stretch out your hand to lay your hands on people in the name of Jesus. We've been singing about the name, great, the great, great name of Jesus Christ. Our Redeemer, our Savior, our Healer, our Deliverer. And we impart that because he lives in us. The third thing he said is to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. Mark 16, 17 and 18 say, and these miracle signs will accompany or follow those who believe. Are you a believer? Then these signs should follow us, shouldn't they? 
They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes. Hallelujah. And from drinking anything poisonous. That's like a bad, bad meal, you know. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. God says that when we are followers of Christ, when we're listening and we're believing and we're trusting him, these things will follow us. We don't have to go out and look for them. They'll follow you. But we just got to be attentive to that. We have to be listening, church. Verse 31. As they prayed, listen to this. As they prayed, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. The fourth thing we must do, and it's already been mentioned in scriptures, is we must pray. Oh, well, that's a great revelation, Pastor. Now I mean we must pray. We must pray. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, I know what it's like to pray when somebody's, when I've got a prodigal in my family. Man, I'm, no, we just got, we need to pray. There's so many things that we need to take to the Lord. We need to, we need to beseech the Lord for, we need to go and in, in, in enter into the uh, Holy of Holies. We need to go after the throne room of grace. We need to be persistent. We need to keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. We can't just stop, oh, God, heal everybody. No, we've got to say, God, what would you have me do today? Who would you have me to speak to? Who would you have me to lay hands on? Who would you have me to go to? We've got to pray. Listen, we started this Tuesday noon prayer time right, right, uh, quite a bit of the time before the election. Men, everybody is, whoo, we're going to pray, and we're going to pray, and we're going we're gonna to pray in the president and all this. And then after it didn't come out the way everybody wanted it to, or not everybody wanted it to, a lot of people, you know what? You quit coming to church on noon, at noon on, on Tuesday, and you quit praying. We had six, seven, eight people now on Tuesday. I think at one point we had 75 people here praying. Oh, there's the old guilt trip. No, that's the God trip. Okay? That's the God trip. Because it's important for us as the ecclesia to come together and pray. It's encouraging. You just come. You hear people come up here, man, they, they'll read a scripture and they'll pray and, and they'll seek the Lord and, and, and then another person will come up and pray and we'll have this beautiful prayer time, but it's not, you know, there's hardly any people here. You know, how many of you got... I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands because I know not hardly, maybe nobody does, except maybe a few of us. How many of you have on Google, in your Google calendar, Tuesday at noon, prayer at Freedom Fellowship? <coughs> Ooh. Well, Pastor, you know, that's my lunch break. So, come and get the bread. Well, Pastor, you know, that's, that's the only time I really get to take a nap. Well, come lay down here on the floor. Some FaceTime. Rest in Him. I'm not. This is places, it's available. We can still come here without somebody standing or, or coming after us with guns and saying, You can't do that anymore. If that day comes, you're going to look back and go, Man, I wish I was at the church praying. <laughs> yeah, right? We must pray. We must pray. We must pray. Psalm 65, 5, I love this. You answer our prayers with amazing wonders, with awe-inspiring displays of power. You are the righteous God who helps us like a father. Do we, but here's the thing. Do we really believe these scriptures? Do we really believe this? 
You know, our actions would show that we probably don't believe it so much. Our actions would show that we look like this, this church that Second Timothy, that Paul speaks of in Second Timothy 3. He says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then that verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people turn away. I walk into a church and it's powerless and there's no, the word's not going forth with power and they're making up excuses and they've got programs for everything and they really, they could run it without the Holy Spirit. I, th I would suggest that if I, I would leave that church. It's not really the church. That's just a gathering. That's just a social encounter. But is that a picture of the church in, in the world today? Lights, action, smoke. Loud music and a 20-minute Sunday school lesson about how not to burn your food. A cooking school or something, you know, a, a, a good self-help lesson. When the power of God wants to show up and just destroy the enemy that's in you. Destroy the things that are... are, are, are taking your time and, and, and pulling you away from the gospel, pulling you away from, from your time with the Lord. Got to get back to prayer. Not just corporately, and this is what I'm speaking on today, but I'm talking about prayer. In your prayer closet, when you're driving down the highway, and corporately meeting for prayer. Verse 32. There's only six points today. I'm already on five. The Lord must be preparing to do something at the end. All the believers were in one mind and heart. Just highlight that one. All the believers were one in mind and heart. Selfishness was not a part of their community, for they shared everything they had with one another. Now listen to this. The apostles gave powerful testimonies about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great measures of grace rested upon them all. Some who owned houses or land sold them and brought their proceeds before the apostles to distribute to those without and not a single person among them was needy. Now there's a lot of things I could preach from that but the, th the thing that God impressed upon me is we need to testify. Say testify. Many times the church or the ecclesia is referred to as the family of God. I remember the Baptist church we used to attend when we did the welcome. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Y'all remember that song? How many of y'all used to sing that? The old Gaither song. We're family. We are family, right? Look at your neighbor and say, we're family. We're family. We may not all look alike. And I'm telling you, we're not a perfect family. We all have this, you know, how many of you have that strange uncle in your family? <laughs> or the strange aunt? Oh, I saw that, Abby. You're on live stream now. Which uncle is it, though, huh? But listen, we're not perfect. 
How many, of you, how many of you have been considered, you were called the black sheep of your family? Anybody here? Oh, my goodness. So we just break that word curse right now. I'm serious. We break that word curse. If it hadn't been broken, that you are not the black sheep of the family. You're the blessing in the family. Amen? Because, see, people, people they self-denigrate themselves. They, sell, they, they prophesy the negative stuff over their lives. I'm the black sheep of the family. And guess what they become? The black sheep of the family. The odd man out or the odd woman out. I don't prophesy that. We're the blessed. But we've got to come to, to the place of understanding we're not a perfect family, but we've got to learn that we need to testify. And, and I love that about this church. Y'all testify all the time. I walk around here before church starts. And if you really want to get to know me, get here about 15 till or 20 till or 30 minutes earlier. Even if you think that's just, oh, I can't do that. Because we're all out here. We're, we're meeting people. We're greeting people. I'm trying to learn some names. We've got so many new people. I can't get all the names straight. I call Oscar and Omar and Armanda. And I, I just, I get, they're all great men of God. And I said, y'all look alike. <laughs> they're big guys. and They got tattoos. And I I'm just going to call, I'm going to start calling them all Armando. <laughs> I think I call, I think I call Ricky, uh, I think I call him Sergio many times. And he'd just look at me, yeah, thank you, God, God bless you, Pastor. He's walking away going, he doesn't know my name yet. He thinks I'm Sergio and I'm Ricky. That's what we do, though, guys. We're, we're a family. We make mistakes together, but we move forward together. We win the community together. I think of this, this scripture which says they were all together and the apostles were sharing their powerful testimonies. This is just where my mind goes because it's like a movie reel. Anybody have look at the scripture? And you, it's just a movie to you. And, and I'm thinking this is Jesus. I mean, this is, this is uh, Peter and John. And, and they've got this group of people in their little house church group. And they're like, I want to go to Peter's house group. <laughs> well, okay, you can go there. But Sam the Zealot's pretty good, too. You know, he's very zealous. And, and, and Matthew, I mean, he can help you with your tax, tax reform, you know, tax forms. But, but here, here's, these, here's Peter, and he's got this group of people around him. He said, let me tell you about Jesus. I was with him. I was with him that day. And some of you might have been there when, when he was coming in on the donkey. And people were like waving their palms. They were throwing their coats on the ground. They were singing Hosanna to the highest son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, let me tell you about the time we were out on this hillside. And this little boy, everybody was hungry. And this little boy comes up and he said, this is all I've got. i got five loaves of bread and two fishes. And Jesus said, he gave it to us. And he said, you disperse it. And we started dispersing it. And we had five, ten, fifteen thousand people, and it never ran out. Can you imagine the testimonies that they were hearing? And then Peter, Peter gave that testimony. You know, I, I told him I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave him. And I, I meant I messed up. I so messed up. I denied him three times, just to a little peasant girl. And he looked at me and he loved me. He forgave me and he restored me. I was there when they nailed him to the cross, but I was there when they came to the room. The lady said, he's risen. The testimonies. You see, your testimony is important because you were raised from the dead when Jesus came to your life. 
He restored you and renewed you and made you a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's your testimony. You don't have to be perfect to give a testimony. Peter was never perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. And yet they had a testimony. There's power when we testify. Turn to Hebrews 10. Chapter 10, verse 24. This is from the Passion Translation. And I'm just really getting... The more and more I read it and study it, the more I love it. We don't know who the writer of Hebrews was. Many people think it was this person or that, Paul or Apollos or somebody. But he just, if you want to really study the New Covenant, study Hebrews. And, he, and, he's in, and uh, the writer of Hebrews is, is sharing with the, the, this people that were largely Jewish people, Hebrews. And he's talking to them about this is who you used to be and that's not who you are anymore and we do things differently now. You don't have to go to a priest because Jesus became our high priest. You don't have to sacrifice anymore. Jesus became our sacrifice. And he's, he's instructing them, don't, you've been going and you've been assembling in the temple, but now don't quit, don't quit assembling together. Don't, don't, don't make yourself scarce from one another now that you are a believer. And he says this in verse 24, he said, this is, this is who we are, church. This is what you need to know. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. Man, isn't that beautiful? You know, we think, I've got to go out here. And, signs and wonders are great. And laying your hands on people, that's awesome. But he said, just get out there and express love to people. Just love people. The world's out there. There's so, so many people that don't feel any love. They don't feel anybody cares about them. That half the world, you, it's, it sounds like people are just all the time, I want to commit suicide. I want to quit. I want to give up on life. I, I can't do this anymore. And they're your neighbor. They're, they're your coworker. They're your, some of them are in the church. And yet they just need an expression from you that God loves you. I love you. We care about you. I don't care what you say your, your, your sexual orientation is. I love you because God put love in my heart. Oh, you're living in sin. I love you because God loves you and he wants you out of that. It's not about hate, guys. It's about love. Do beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. This is what I want to say to all of those, uh, many of you that are watching on live stream. Listen, I'm not going to guilt you. I'm not going to guilt you. But I'm going to say this. Some of you have, have gotten to the habit of, it's okay, I just want to watch this on TV. Did any of y'all get to that place where I just think I just want to watch this on live stream? But you're, you're forsaking the assembling of yourselves together with God's people. You can't, you can't assemble on live stream. So I know, I know I'm not telling you you've got to come. I, some of you are using wisdom. I know some of you got issues that you need to take care of. I'm not asking you to abandon wisdom. I'm asking you, but if you become, uh, if it's become a habit, and you said I, we can just do this from home, I beseech you get back to the assembly of God right here at Freedom Fellowship. We have so many new people. We had so many people before the pandemic. We should be running two services easy. We really should. 
But there are so many people. And listen, I want to tell you this in all love. We love you. If you walk in these doors and you haven't been here in a while, we're not going to shame you. We're not going to guilt you. We're going to say, man, I've missed you. We love you. Because that's who we are. But you're missing something when you miss the assembling in the body of Christ. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We must continue to assemble. I left. I'm going to close pretty quick. I left our men's Bible study on uh, Wednesday night. It's the, uh, what's the name of it? Going up, going out, going in, something like that. What is it? <laughs> look up, look in, look out. Look out, we're coming for you. <laughs> I think I missed one. I think I missed it once when we were in California. But I got to tell you, man, what a blessing. It's not about we're going to hammer the word into you. It's about life. It's about we love you and we care about you. We cry a lot. And we got a bunch of tough looking dudes. Tattooed guys cry a lot. Some of them have the tear, you know, it's tattooed in, but then they got the real tear coming over the tattooed tear. <laughs> but we were hearing testimonies. And Mario, man, Mario said, it's his first time to go. He said, I don't want to miss this again. We, we call them Mario's, and we have three Mario's in the class. Like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Mario, would you read which one? <laughs> But the testimonies, guys, people and men encouraging one another. It was beautiful. We gather around people and we pray for people. We just be real. We're just being real. Then I, I come upstairs and I hear testimonies coming from the unshakable class of what took place. The power of God just fell and people were transformed and changed. And then I hear from the still growing, still glowing class and about this incredible testimony back then. See, they like their class. What's happened to the unshakable? They didn't say nothing. And I'm sure I, I didn't talk to anybody from the youth, but I'm sure the youth and children, things are going on down there too. Because it can't help it happen. It can't help it happen, right? Because Holy Spirit's here. But we need to learn. We need to, we need to be engaged in testimonies and, and sharing with one another. But that's only going to come if we continue to assemble. Come together in Jesus' name. Listen, I'm the first to tell you, I know the church has faced a lot of new challenges uh, in this past year, and even threats. I've received threats, okay, from what I preach. But I want to close with this scripture, then I want our ministry team to come. This is not my deal. It's God's. You know, when Jesus came to his disciples, he said, hey, who do people say that I am? What's the word on the street? Is that a good way to put it? What's the word on the street? Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're this guy, that guy. He said, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Peter said, hey, I know you are. You're Christ. You're the son of the living God. Okay? That's the declaration he made. Simon Peter spoke up said, you're the anointed one, the son of the living God. The anointed one is the Messiah. 
in or Christ. And Jesus replied, You are favored and privileged, Simeon, son of Jonah, or Simon. For you didn't discover this on your own, but my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. And I give you the name Peter, a stone. Now, on this rock, it's not Peter he's talking about here. It's the declaration of who Peter said he was. And on this rock, that I am Jesus, the Son of the living God, I am the Messiah, on this rock will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church. Jesus said, I will build my church, my legislative assembly, my ecclesia, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. Now, the enemy, the world, the, the, the government, all these things can come after the church, but it will not be destroyed because God said, I build my church, and the gates of hell, the power of death, will not destroy what I've started. The, the footnote in the Passion says, all the forces of hell will never have the power to win a victory over it. There is no power of darkness that can stop the advancing church that Jesus builds. Nothing can stop what God has started. And that's who we are. We're the ecclesia. We're the gathering of God's people. And when we gather together, power, the power of the Holy Spirit shows up. Because we're trusting God and we're expecting Him to do something. And we're prayed up. We have this expectation. And we're saying, I don't care what's going on around there. I care what's going on in here. So what takes place in here can go out there and change this city for Jesus Christ. Would y'all stand? Can I have the ministry team to the front?